Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. I'm Augusto Pinaud. Francis Wade. I'm Art Gelwicks. Welcome to the show, everybody. And we are going to today be talking about interruptions and really about controlling interruptions. So what we thought we would do today is we would talk about the various types of interruptions that we all experience. Francis was actually talking about before we started recording, that is those things that are external to us, not necessarily self-interruptions, which we could call and define as, say, distractions. Uh, But more importantly, the things that are external, things that we don't necessarily always have control over, and they interrupt our productive flow. And we need to be able to get back to being productive. And that's what we'll spend the second half of the show talking about, which is how do we how do we steer ourselves back onto our productive paths for the day when we are interrupted? What are the what are the major interruptions that happen throughout their work weeks? Um, I'd say unexpected emergencies things that I don't expect to happen, um, unplanned. I, actually, I'm dealing with one right now. I, I had my, the brakes on my car fixed, and it looks as if they didn't fix it properly. So it's feeling a little spongy. So I have to take, it's going to take, I don't know, three hours out of today that I really didn't plan on having, you know, I planned to work during those hours, have that be productive. Now I'm going to be waiting around at the shop to get the brakes looked at. Um, so emergencies, um, and then there are there are people who don't realize that I'm in a particular kind of focus zone, and they might just interrupt just you know innocently, but the effect is the same nonetheless. The the my productivity dips and my goals don't get accomplished for the day. You know, and I will add to what Francis just said uh, a little distinction between those emergencies, because they are what I will call the real emergencies, okay? The ones that you, there is there is no, you can't control, they happen, okay? And those are one kind, hey, customer call, and fine, you can't control those. And the other ones that are a lot worse are the ones that are the lack of planning, okay? It's when now, the, it's the other person emergency, and they are trying to come to you to interrupt you on your own flow to make that also your emergency, okay? Um, and, and they're different than, you know, they're different from the customer, that, but they are at the end of the day interruptions. You know, there is, they are problematic. And for some people, well, there are kids in interruptions. You know, I work at work and I work at home and I work in many places. And, well, sometimes you are with the kids and, it's a matter of training the kids. You know, my my kids know to interrupt if there is in, important. But it, let's clarify that's important on their world, not on mine. So you need that's something that you need consistently tweak and work with them, so that way they understand really what the word importance in, important means, so that way they interrupt interrupt less or interrupt when it's more relevant. Yeah, I'll go with the easy list, you know, the low-hanging fruit ones, the the emails that you get that throw you off track, the notifications that show up on your 
chosen mobile device, uh, the instant messages that pop up in the corner of your screen indicating something that you need to do, the phone calls that come in, and the, the all-time favorite, the drive-by or shoulder touch, somebody walks up to you and says, hey, I need you to do something. All those interruptions will throw you off track. I'll round us out with my my worst interruptions that happen to me, which are uh, technology failures. Or they may not be failures, but they're just something's not working right now. And so therefore, I have to divert my attention to fix that technology issue. And that could very well be the pen ran out of ink to some, you know, software is now having some kind of bug or glitch, and it's not working the way that it should, which should be a productivity enabler, and now is becoming a productivity inhibitor. And so having to divert to deal with that equipment failure, it, you know, derails me, and not particularly a bad one, which is that when clients call. That is not a common occurrence for me. Most of my client communications happen via email. And so we're calling clients when necessary, but we primarily communicate via email with our clients or through our client portal. So the the client call is is a is a clear interruption, a good interruption. You know, I, I love to hear from my clients, but the reality is is that that is that is it's it's so uncommon today <laughs> that it's 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 a, it, it's an adjustment that I have to make from concentrating on what I was doing on screen and then having to, you know, field a phone call either through our call desk or, or whatever. So it's a it's it's definitely an interruption in my world. And again, like I said, it's not a bad interruption. It just happens to be an interruption. And so great. So I, I've got a list here now of emergency and non-emergency interruptions from Francis, as well as people not uh, realizing you're focusing on a project. That's what I heard from Francis. From Augusto, I heard children. <laughs> um, and uh, and then Art, from you, I heard email, uh, instant messages or any kind of chat clients, mobile notifications, phone calls, and then coffee clutching, you know, people walking up to you and wanting to have a chit chat. And then I had tech issues and client calls. So that fits into your phone calls issue. So we can kind of ignore that one because phone calls are phone calls. Let's try to deal with these kind of in that order then and start off with how do you deal with emergency versus non-emergency interruptions? And and more importantly, when they happen, how do you how do you prepare yourself to get back on track with regard to let's let's start with emergency interruptions. Say the building fire alarm goes off or the brakes on your car are not quite working well, which, you know, that's important. So <laughs> do you have a rubric in place for being able to deal with emergency interruptions? I wish I, I could say that I have some fancy, fancy triage method. I, 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 I sort of do what, what Augusto does, which is to prepare people around me for for moments when I need to be non, not interrupted. So I think it's, um, I, if, if I think of it, I, I think I plan my day based on when I want, when I can be interrupted and when I can't. So I, I start from my needs first, I guess. And then if I'm in a non-interrupted zone, I, I try to turn things off, turn off all the reminders on my uh, phone. Um, I might even turn off the phone, although I don't get that many calls, but but I could do it. Um, definitely turn off reminders on the screen, pop-ups, anything that might stop me, uh, close down windows, anything that might stop me from staying in the flow state um, or doing deep work. 
And just so for just so for listeners, Francis, this is an non-emergency situation. <laughs> so the fire alarm is not going off. This is just generally right. Okay, good. But but, but I still have the same because I start with me first. I start with my schedule first. So my my intention is is still pure at that point. Um, and when I'm in the flow state or when I need to be not interrupted, then it's triage. Then it's depending on the emergency that's happening in the moment. And I try to punt anything that's not, even, even the brakes, for example. For example, my wife had told me that the brakes weren't working and she had just come back in and she's safe and I'm safe. That's not an emergency in the sense that I need to bump myself out of the flow state in order to deal with it. I can deal with it when I'm finished. It's not worthy of breaking my concentration. So, but, but there are decisions that have to be made when I'm in that zone. And I think all of my sort of, um, let's call them routines, are based on being in that zone or not being in that zone. Because when I'm not in that zone, then I can deal with any kind of random interruptions or any kind of emergencies or I can jump from one task to the other. I, I don't really care as much. I really care about those moments when I need to be in the zone, when I need to be in the flow state. That's that's when it's sort of the purest, most important, mission-critical work that I, I'm sort of arranging my world to preserve. It depends really on the kind of emergency, okay? If it's, as you were describing, something that cannot be avoided, okay, hey, Big boss coming to the office. It doesn't matter what you're doing. That that interruption will happen and you can't say, oh, you know, can I get back to you in an hour? That is not going to happen. Fire alarm rings. Well, you know, as much as you want to ignore the fire alarm, you know, if you don't move, the fire marshal will make sure that you move. So when there are those kind of emergencies, the assessment need to be what I need to do, okay, to try to get back into the state of production I want, number one. And number two, what I need to do to make sure that I can have any kind of production when I get to the next place that I'm going, okay? Because if it's a fire alarm, yes, you need to grab the laptop as quick as you can, but you need to make sure you grab whatever you can that is going to allow you to get functional again as soon as possible those interruptions. The second kind are the ones that may be urgent interruptions on the other person perspective, okay, like the coffee buys, the guy who tapped you on the shoulder, can I talk to you? No, I'm busy. But those you need to assess on a different way. So first thing is make sure before you allow the actual full interruption to happen, to leave yourself a clue of where your thinking thought was. So that way you can go back faster, okay? Uh, Hemingway used to say that you write until the climax and then walk away. You never walk away on a boring spot because if you walk away in a boring spot, you are never going to be able to come back. So you need to try to leave yourself that clue so that way you can come back to whatever is that you were doing. Otherwise, then when you come back, you need to start for trying to figure it out where you were and where you miss that point. And that takes seconds with practice so that way you can actually come back. And then it's now assessed if this 
interruption, an important thing that this other human being have are really worth or your attention right now, or if possible, you can tell them, I can I get back to you in half an hour and then you explain it to me. Okay. Uh, or 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it is. So, but that is an assessment that you somehow need to do in seconds, but need to be ready to do at any moment. That's so far the best way I have found to deal with those interruptions that happen through the day. There is nothing you can do about them. Yeah, for me, it's a matter of a mental decision I did a long time ago, which is to give myself permission to have emergencies. One of the things I see so many people run into as a hangup is they almost have this guilt about having to stop what they're doing because something else happened that is interrupting them at an emergency level. Not talking about non-emergency because that's prioritization and, and evaluation, but let's say the fire alarm goes off. I've literally seen people you know, taking time to finish up what they're doing. You know what? There is nothing that is that important that it warrants you having to do things that could possibly risk you know, personal safety, other things, you know, more major things. Give yourself permission to have an emergency, have an interruption, and then be able to circle back. Yeah, make a mental note. Make a, stick a post-it note of exactly what you were doing or where you need to pick up. That's it. But then go deal with the situation. If we spend our time trying to figure this out and, and feel bad about, oh, my kid's sick, but I really should be at work. You know what? Get your priorities straight. Let's move along to the idea of children interrupting. How do you deal with children interruptions? Yes, and, and children interruptions are have three factors. Okay, one factor is the kid. Okay, I have two kids. My oldest, you could have from little, 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 little. Tell her you play on that corner. I'm going. That is going to have a meeting, and she will be as quiet as reasonable for a kid. Okay, my youngest one instead, that require a lot more work to get him to that stage. That said, it is possible for them to understand, hey, that is working, that is having a meeting, and I need you to not interrupt me unless it's important. The key in there is that when the kid come, the first question is, is this important? and let them assess the importance of whatever they are going to tell. It may have zero importance for you, okay? The importance may be the TV show ends, okay? And I cannot watch any more TV that has zero level of importance or relevance in your world. But it's not about the importance. You are not asking the kid, only interrupt me when it's important for me. You are saying, only interrupt me when it's important. So, after the kid comes and interrupts you, now you need to teach them what is important and what may not be that important, even that if it seems important on their world. When you do that work, and yes, it is a consistent work, what happens is kids come to realize there are things that right now are not important. And then they come and not interrupt you and kind of stay for really long periods of time sitting on their corner playing and, and drawing and doing stuff while you have those meetings almost without interruptions. But one of the things I see often is 
people want them to understand from your perspective what that important is, from their perspective, from from your perspective, why they should or should not interrupt. And I think with kids specifically, that's one of the most important distinctions. Um, and sometimes with humans, but but at least with kids is for sure that you need to understand is from their perspective, not for any other. So it is possible to teach kids not to interrupt, to sit on a meeting and be quiet in the corner, but you need to start from that, their perspective, and then work with them. And when they interrupt you because the TV show is over, you can't get frustrated or mad. You just need to tell her, well, TV off is not enough for me to, for it's not a, that or, or for an important because you know how to start it again. So just go back and start it again and don't interrupt you. And they, they start getting that muscle train of when it's okay to interrupt and when it's not okay to interrupt. It sounds to me like you're training the children to have resilience, you know, to build up a, a sense of, of, of tolerance to a, v- a wide variety of things and know how to troubleshoot situations and, and you know, sort of building prioritization into their decision-making and giving them control. So I think all of those sound really great. Oh, that sounds a lot more fancy than what I was thinking, but I like it. <laughs> I do. I do have a, a, an interest in child developmental psychology. So uh, it's always a, a fun thing to, to think about how those, their little minds are developing at particular stages and how they uh, deal with some of these challenges. Um, Art, as the other resident parent <laughs> on on the team, uh, do you have any have any thoughts? I worked from home for about four years, and one of the first things that anyone who works from home will tell you is it's important to set boundaries. So, for example, when the office door is closed, you don't interrupt. Uh, if it is closed, there's a very good reason for it. Uh, I was doing a lot of calls and presentations online. So interruptions were very much disruptive. Uh, so set being able to set those boundaries, the younger the children are, the harder those boundaries are to set. But as they start to grow a little bit older, they start to develop that understanding. Uh, but there is a balance that you have to give. When, some, when a kid comes in and interrupts and you tell them, look, you need to wait, when you go to resolve whatever that interruption was, you have to give them the full attention, you know, your focus of attention to resolve that interruption. They have to start to learn that because they were willing to accept the delay, they're going to get the benefit of your complete focus. And we talk about this with kids, but this also works with coworkers too. I mean, if somebody's, if you have to push somebody off, when you go to help them out over that issue, you give them 100% of that focus. They start to understand that there is a cost-benefit relationship there between the delay and getting your attention. The other thing with kids, and this is kind of a weird thing, is give them the opportunity to return the favor. I mean, if they're sitting there playing and you need them to do something right then, uh, give them on occasion the option to say, I want to finish this. Okay, you can finish it, but as soon as you're done, you need to do this and reinforcing that behavior. They they start to understand then that it's okay to set priorities around their activities. They just have to follow up afterwards. They can't just push it off. 
again, with parents, we do have the option that we don't have with, with teammates and others to put them in time out as much as we would like to at work. Uh, but it works to that advantage of starting to develop that base level of behavior within the kids and understanding that there is a give and take relationship. It's not always you drop everything you're doing right away when I say it, but if you need something, I'm going to push you off until I'm ready. That's a little bit harder to get them to accommodate. Absolutely. That's great advice. So let's make our way along to some of the things that you were talking about, Art, at the top of the show regarding email, chat message, mobile notifications, and phone calls. These are email being asynchronous communication, but the rest of them being synchronous communication methods where someone is immediately expecting some kind of feedback, and then mobile notifications, which are just a digital type of interruption, although some of those may be from asynchronous communication, right? You might get an email, and that email is going to pop up a notification on your phone or on your desktop computer. And if you get a text message or a chat message from Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or whatnot, it's going to then pop up a a notification on your phone, potentially on your desktop as well. How do you deal with the phone calls and the emails and the chat messages and so on and so forth? How do you structure that so that you're not one, if you if you just plan to deal with the interruption, how do you deal with that before the interruption happens? How do you deal with it when it happens? And what do you deal with it? What do you do to get back to being productive after it happens? First on that is you need to understand what kind of notifications and interruptions you are going to allow on the world. That's the first problem people find. Okay, People get their devices, doesn't matter what they are, and then enable every notification under the sun. And then they complain, well, this thing vibrates all day. Well, yes, but you allow every notification to come on it. So so that's the first step in order to solve any possible problem with this is to understand that you are the one causing the problem. You are the one enabling every notification, every email, every everything. Uh, Because until you get to that point, anything else I think is relevant. Two, after you understand what kind of interruptions you are going to allow, then you can go into understanding how to get, you can get in or out of them. So for example, my default ringtone on my cell phone for years is a no sound, okay? No vibration, no sound, no nothing. What that means is I will only know that you are calling, okay, because I'm looking at the screen, unless you are part of a group of people who I have switched or make a special ringtone, in this case, one that make noise and vibrate, because I only allow certain number of people to have the quote-unquote right to interrupt whatever I'm doing. The rest of the people will get mostly directly, directly to voicemail, and that is fine for me, okay? Same thing as text messages. Text messages don't make noise on my phone. Okay, they vibrate. That's all that they do. It's a small notch. If I'm completely distracted, I will feel it. If I am on the zone, it's not enough to break me out of the zone. Why? That's on purpose. I can come back. If it's urgent, figure it out a different way to communicate with me. Okay. I don't even check emails on the phone. And Ray and I had a, an incident where he needed me to check something. I said, well, I need you to send you this. Well, you need to wait until I get back. I don't have email on the phone. And it was something that 
was important. So I went and configured email on the phone so I could receive that email. So I could check that document so I can send him back and then prep, delete email from the phone. Okay, why? So I don't check email on the phone because it's a distraction that I don't need. So after you want understand that you are not a victim from those notifications and interruptions, and two, understand how you can manage them better, come the third point that is, okay, now that you were interrupted, what you are going to do, okay? Because when you now deal like I deal with a really small number of interruptions, it's easy, okay? It's easy to get back, okay? Yes, my phone has, all the apps has little red buttons, Okay, telling me that there is some cow or something, the batch is telling me that I need to look at that. That's fine. But then that's now on my terms. That any of these batches have distracted me or tried to pull me out from the activity on hand. Then if it's one that actually will pull me out of the activity on hand, then the first thing for me is leave a crumble. Okay, where I am. Okay, oh, I am doing this and this. Write it down, you know, mark it put circles around, doesn't matter, then jump to the next activity. And as Art was saying, try to go to that activity with the higher level of attention that you can so that way you can get that activity out of the way if possible and come back to the activity you were. Okay. The other thing is make sure that you write that thing on one place. Okay. Because one of the things I see sometimes is people had post-its and little pieces of notes and then the notebook. And then they add, they may start writing down, oh, I was doing this, but then write it on one place or write it on another and write it on a third different place or send themselves a note. No, no. Figure it out. Doesn't matter where it is. But again, you need to go back to consistency because the faster you get to that consistency, the fastest the brain can go back to where it was. Okay. For example, I've been doing weekly review with the Ninth Symphony of Beethoven, with von Karajan, Philharmonic of Berlin, okay, for at least eight, 10 years. Okay. I don't even need to do the weekly review, and I, I don't need to pull the list, I don't need to pull anything. I can be driving on the highway. And I put that symphony and my brain out automatically change, okay, to weekly review mode. Okay, automatically change to high thinking level. Okay. That's what you are trying to do when you leave those clues in the same way, in the same place every time. Because now your brain can go look at that and say, oh, this is where I was, and continue running where you were. Instead, if you need the brain to figure it out every time, that requires a ridiculous amount of time that most people don't have. For me, it's actually fairly simple because I use the one thing that pretty much everybody hates. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you look at that list I rattled off earlier, shoulder touchers, notifications, instant messages, phone calls, those are all, as you mentioned, synchronous communications. They're immediately expecting a response. Uh, I will most commonly say, well, do me a favor, just send me an email with that so I can follow up on it. It does two things. One, it forces things to go into my email, which I use as a primary intake system because it is completely under my control. And secondarily, 
it forces people to take that extra step and think about what they're sending me. They can't just crack something off real quick or, or mention it in the hallway. They have to actually make the conscious effort to go through and send me an email committing to what they're asking from me. So with that being said, it makes it much easier for me to manage those incoming requests, but it also makes it easy for me to manage my responses as well and set up true prioritization and follow-ups. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I love the, uh, can you, can you just document that in email? I just want to make sure that I can, I get what you want me to do precisely. I'd like to get people to commit to what they're asking for. And that means also that when I potentially reject the request, it's also in writing. <laughs> so <laughs> I like, to, I like people to know <laughs> when I'm going to do those things. This all boils down to managing your, your possible channels of interruption, um, sort of proactively and think through what do I do when this kind of interruption happens and that kind of interruption happens. I think it all comes from the point of view that our attention nowadays is extremely valuable increasingly rare it's this commodity well not I say commodity but it's this it's this item this part of our lives this aspect of our lives that needs to be carefully curated and anything that can possibly stop it or interfere with it needs to be handled on its own terms so a channel of interruption might be a, a spouse a phone call um a notification on a, a smartphone, but they all need to sort of be handled in the same way, some sort of with a common frame of mind, which is that this is a possible interrupter to my best work. And I think that the, 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 the price of wanting to do great work nowadays is sort of eternal vigilance because someone's going to come up with something by next year that's going to be a new way of interrupting us from doing our best work. And once again, we've got to deal with it on its own terms. We need to, even if we change offices, if we take a new job, if we, all these, all these things are all, they all introduce possible new ways of interrupting us. And we need to deal with them in this sort of systematic way if, we, if we're serious about doing our best work. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Okay, on to technology issues, which is a thorny interruption because we don't, have control over those in sometimes the most fundamental way, which is that if the software doesn't work or if the if you run out of ink, you just can't do what you need to do. And so you need to deal with that thing in order to continue on the current project or task that you're working on. The way in which I deal with this uh, generally, actually, I want to double back. So on on the topic of how to deal with people interruptions and phone calls and otherwise, I like to make sure that there is a focus list for the day. Now, as a GTDer, I have a my next actions list, and there are my active actions for the upcoming week. As many who have listened for a while know this, I I only track from week to week in my weekly from my weekly review to weekly review, and so those selected tasks for the day from the week's worth of tasks, taking into account my appointments for the day on my calendar. I now have a list of the actions I've prioritized based on resources available, time, and energy, right? So I already know what I plan to focus on for the day. And as I'm interrupted over the past 
probably 18 to 20 years, I have been tracking interruptions. So I note the types of interruptions that happen because I track my my time, both my billable and non-billable time, and I don't expect everybody to do this forever. But it is worth doing for at least two, maybe three weeks of consistently tracking your time and identifying the interruptions that happen over that time. And what you then start to get is a pretty clear picture of the things that you can do to preempt those interruptions. So say you don't get a lot of interruptions on your mobile phone because you've turned off all of your notifications as Augusto had offered, but you get a lot of people who walk up to you and wanna have a little bit of water cooler conversation. Well, you can prepare mental scripts so that you can appropriately engage those people you know, you don't want to be mean to your coworkers. You don't want to be uh, denigrating, but you do want to be able to say to them, you know, guys, I'm really working hard on this particular task right now or project, and I need to give it my full focus. Can we do this during lunch? Or can we do this in 30 minutes when I'm done with it? And now you've created for yourself an opportunity to reward yourself by completing this project and then having a little bit of social time with your coworkers, which is important. And also now not being interrupted from the high focus that you need to be able to finish the thing in front of you. So I really, I just really believe that you should have some level of tracking so that you understand what's actually happening because your memory is fallible. If you, if I ask you right now, what are your biggest interruptions? Well, if you start to track the data itself in a raw uh, fashion, objective fashion, I bet you that they're different than the ones that you think. And that's just because we all presume things. And when the data starts to show itself, you start to see a different picture. So tracking is really important. The other is creating workflows or checklists to be prepared well for interruptions. So this is a case where there are certain ones that don't require a checklist, but they do require you to be prepared for things. For example, uh, the fire alarm goes off and you pull your backup thumb drive out of your computer if you have such a thing uh, and you walk directly out of the building, right? Safety first. Uh, but for other things, it could be a little bit more involved where the interruption is such that it is emergent or non-emergent and you need to follow a particular course of actions to get yourself both to deal with the emergency or the non-emergency interruption fully, as we've been talking about, you've heard us talking about the idea of focusing fully on the issue at hand so that it can be resolved properly and then getting back to action. And then once you've dealt, dealt with the interruption, then being able to re-engage yourself in what you were working on. So having the right sort of techniques involved so that you know how to get yourself back there. That may be music as Augusto uses, it may be a, a favorite beverage, it may be any number of, of sensory or other kinds of triggers in your environment that gets you refocused on that, on that task. So for technology issues, I've always been of the mindset that you should have backup equipment so or supplies, right? So the idea here is that when I am writing, I always keep a couple of those. I, I use fountain pens and I always have extra cartridges hanging around. And that way I keep them in a little case, a little pill bottle case that I, uh, I travel with because it's tight enough to keep it sealed so that it doesn't break in my my luggage or my my carry-on bags when I'm when I'm flying or you know running around 
And it's really helpful because you never know when the ink is going to run out or one of those cartridges will dry up for some reason. You know, you, you're in a human environment and then you go to a, uh, another environment and all of a sudden the cartridges somehow dried up for some reason. And so having those spare cartridges allows you to be able to continue writing and not being impeded from what you were working on. Sometimes there's just a technology issue. What I try to do with regard to technology is that if a piece of software stops working, I always determine is this worth my time to deal with now or should I capture it as something that needs to be fixed later? And can I get the job done with another piece of tool? So say that Microsoft Word stops operating on my travel laptop and that happens on occasion. And I was writing something, it's just not working. Well, you know what? I don't need to deal with Microsoft Word right now. I can just upload the document to Google Docs. I can throw it into Google Docs. It will, it will allow me to edit the document in its native Word format and I will go to town, finish my document, and then I will deal with Microsoft Word later by capturing that into my inbox, clarifying and organizing that for a time and place that's appropriate to dealing with those technology issues and keep moving on with my day. I like that. And and I agree with you. You need to understand what is worth to fix and what is not worth to fix right now at that moment. Okay, because one of the things we tend to do as humans is we build up, okay, Microsoft Word failed, and then you start building up and building up and building up. And even if you fix it, now you're so built up that you can't write what you were going to or finish the job you were going to finish because now you're mad. It's not worth it. So those changes work. Backup works. The other thing is that I see a lot is go with the same ammunition to work. And I I, I think I think it was Rommel who who used to say that you go with your weapons need to be compatible with your enemy's weapons or at least you need to know how to use them. Okay. And the reason is you don't know when things are going to fail, but you need to have that plan. So I see people who have two, three computers, backup plan is in place, except one is Windows 7, one is Windows 10, one is Windows 8, all the software is different, and that's where that plan failed. One of the things I particularly enjoy about iOS is the fact that I can grab my phone or any of my iPads and I have exactly the same interface everywhere. And that's really powerful. You need to keep that into consideration too, how you are going to access to those backup things and try to keep it not only redundant, but similar as much as possible. So that way, when you get into that situation and you need to switch, your brain don't need to deal with the frustration that you need to switch, plus the frustration that it looks different than what it looks before, plus the frustration of the tool that you need from the software, because from version 3 to version 5, they decide to move it from a menu to another menu. That consistency, what allows your brain to do is to don't notice the transition or to be more effective on the transition. And that's something that a lot of people fail when they even, even those who are already one step ahead, having those backup plans in place. I'll make the same argument for on the Android side, Android and Chrome OS. Uh, if you're looking for a, a redundancy level system, you know, looking at Chromebooks and using Chrome OS and using cloud-based services, that helps you eliminate a lot of these potential issues. There are very few single points of failure 
when you set up a process sim- or a structure similar to what Augusto mentioned. Yeah, that's it's nothing like going from Chrome browser to Chromebook and and then to the Android OS and just being able to use the same applications and working around those issues. It's it's pretty pretty easy. It is, and then as we as we all as a group discussed when we were looking at the difference between the iOS and the Chromebook, that that's completely precise. That's exactly what has made both platforms now really really powerful to the point that you just need to pick one doesn't matter which one and you are going to get that that consistency of work that consistency that is going to allow you to keep productive regardless what which device you have in hand understand that interruptions are inevitable okay unless you move to a mountain and disconnect every communication to the world okay you will have interruptions and i guarantee you if you find that solitude place in the middle of the mountain there will be something that will interrupt you what you need to do is not hope that there is going to be no interruptions but figure it out how you can master the getting back to that high productive state after the interruption happened so that way you can keep and reduce little by little that time that costs you every time you get an interruption. The interruption will happen, okay? That's a, that's a fact. But how can you work better so that way you can go faster back to that production state that you were? What clues do you need to do or what systems do you need to implement on the way so you can jump back to where you were without breaking everything that needed to start from a square one? And I think I think one of the really key things to think about as well as we close out this episode is how to manage expectations, both your expectations as well as the expectations of others as you are dealing with interruptions. As Augusto has said many times on the podcast, be kind to yourself and be be aware of the fact that interruptions are going to happen. And when they do, frustration is not going to really help you in this regard. So you might as well be flexible and adaptive to the changing environment and build these kinds of rubrics, these kinds of mental models for knowing how to deal with the interruptions on the front end being that is being prepared that they're going to happen what to do during them and then how to respond and get yourself back on track afterward so thank you gentlemen for this conversation if you're listening from your podcast app other than the podcast website we invite you to jump over to productivitycast.net there at the bottom of the page for the show you can feel free to leave a comment or a question and one of us here on the productivity cast team will be glad to respond Also on productivitycast.net, you'll find the show notes, links to anything we've discussed are easy to jump to from the links in the show notes, and you can learn how to subscribe to the podcast there on the website. If you have another question about personal productivity, you can go ahead and visit productivitycast.net forward slash contact, and you'll send us a message and we'll be able to respond to you that way. And if you want to ask a question of us, we'll be happy to answer those questions potentially here on the show. Uh, Thanks to Augusto, Francis, and Art for joining me here on this cast. If you could, please add a rating or review in iTunes or Stitchers. We uh, appreciate the gratitude, and it also helps us grow our personal productivity listening community. So thank you. That brings us to the close of this episode of Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. Take care, and here's to your productive life, everybody. 
That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity, with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. <laughs>